Atiancia Pick 6 previews Wednesday's checks in college football. We'll let you know how you can order his service, all his information. He does this 24 hours a day, every day of the week. First question from Brent down in the Macon, Georgia area, Brett. Says, throw out Georgia, Bama, Tennessee, LSU. Who are you buying stock in the SEC, and who are you selling? Hey, well, good morning, Bill. Uh, thanks for having me on, and that's a great question. So, it sounds like we're throwing out some of the top targets there. Um, well, I mean, I would have said Tennessee. I'm buying stock after they just re-signed uh, Josh Heupel there to a huge contract, really ensuring that he stays in Knoxville. So, great move there, locking him down. Um Let's see, who else is on the table there? I mean, I, I thought I was buying stock in A&M last year, the way they recruited. Um, I, I still don't want to give up on that. I want to see one more year. Um, you know, what, it's not going to be a one-year playoff turnaround like we originally thought, but there is a lot of talent on deck there. Um, yeah, let's see who else we got here. Um, you know, I could, I could buy some Florida stock, uh, just given their geography, their location. I think that they can get that recruiting machine activated. I know there were some – shenanigans there with nil but in general that should be a top recruiting program um you know in the west division i like Ole miss i think that uh, i'll buy some stock in Ole miss long term uh if they can keep lane kiffin there it's an offense that players want to play in transfers they call him the portal king and uh he continues to get top top quarterbacks and receivers and skill talent so i'll buy some of those uh some of those programs there plenty plenty more to go around though how do you think that quarterback room at Ole Miss is going to settle when Spencer Sanders just jumped on board. You have Walker Howard who transferred in, and you have the starter, Jackson Dart, there. That's going to be interesting this spring. Yeah, I think this this quickly became the biggest um, and most intriguing quarterback battle of, of a spring ball coming up. Um, of course, whenever you have a changing of the guard at Ohio State and Alabama, those become top storylines. But just uh, given the names we have here, we know these guys. You know, Walker Howard, a former five-star, the, really the prize recruit of uh, Brian Kelly's first class. Uh, so Lane Kiffin stole him away from Baton Rouge. Then you have the, the incumbent starter, of course. And then you have this guy, Spencer Sanders, who's I think a three, at least a three- or four-year starter at Oklahoma State. Flashed a lot of upside. Um, uh, athletically, you know, he can pull the, pull the ball down and run. He's really fast running the ball, um, you know, strong arm, a little bit of a turnover machine at times, but he's cleaned that up. Um, so, yeah, you're going to have a great battle down there. If you want the pure experience, um, you go Spencer Sanders. Probably the longer potential upside might be Howard. And then, of course, your incumbent starter. But something tells me that if Lane Kiffin went out and got not just one but two really high-caliber quarterbacks that – that incumbent label doesn't mean much here in spring. So, um, yeah, it's going to be the premier battle so far of spring ball. So you're saying if you're Jackson Dart, you should sleep with one eye open. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, if, that, if that job was more secured, I don't think you'd go sign two top quarterbacks. I mean, I think any other program in the country would love to have one of these guys come in, let alone two. So, um, and that's probably true of most programs that they say that pr- that jobs are always up for grabs. So uh, you should be ready to battle. But um, yeah, that's that's going to be high stakes. I can't wait to see that unfold. Tom in Myrtle Beach asks Brett, "Do you see another Cinderella story like TCU was last year?" 
Well, it is so early in the prog- in the process. I'm not entirely sure. I think I'll have some better answers for you in a couple months. Um, and you know what? If we if anybody could have seen TCU, we'd all be making a lot of more a lot more money. I mean, that was I think 200 to one uh, to make it that far, something like that. It's just, that's an all time storyline right there. Um, but yeah, if you look for teams that kind of fit that mold, you want to look at top 25 recruiters uh, on average the last five years, and you want to look at uh, a new head coach, a transition year. Um, and see if they can get some big transfers. But uh, I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago, a team that's kind of a sleeping giant out there would be Nebraska. Um, It sounds crazy because they've struggled the last five years. The only Power 5 team to not make a bowl the last five years. But bringing in Matt Rule, he's a proven college head coach, transition season. Uh, They have recruited a top 25 clip, as hard as it is to believe. A lot of that talent has since transferred out, so I don't know if it's a great comparison um, but they're sitting there in a, in a winnable Big Ten West. So, um, but I don't I don't see any kind of playoff run or a conference title for them. But um, yeah, I'll give you a more more clear answer in a couple months. I'm still I'm um, digging through my my stats. Um, I haven't done any coach interviews really yet, besides the North Dakota State head coach. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll get some 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 dark horses coming soon. Yeah, and. Frankly, there may not be another. I mean, I think it's more likely that there isn't another TCU-type story out there. Now, we are going to expand here after this next season to 12 teams, so teams that we're not used to seeing in the playoffs will get in. But a run like TCU just made all the way to the championship game actually is a needle in a haystack. It's it's not – it's, now, uh, I know Tom's not suggesting this, but it's it's not like that means we've got one every year. It might not happen for another 30 years. Yeah, we no, definitely historic. I mean, it crossed off all those, uh, you know, not just the win column turnarounds, but a first-year head coach bringing a team to the national title. That had only been, I think, three times. Um, turning around a, a losing season into a, a national title run, really rare. Uh, so it fits a lot of boxes. I'll throw one more out at you. Um, just given, again, look at the fundamentals first, and that's the recruiting stats. You got to start there. It's not the end-all, be-all, but you got to look there first. Um, program like Miami. I mean, they have recruited at a top 15, top 10 clip. Uh, Mario Cristobal. It was a disaster first season, but I do like to give a guy two or three years, and um, he's proven himself at multiple stops as an offensive line builder, uh, program builder at Oregon. So who's to say that they can't uh, land a couple transfers here and, and get this thing cleaned up and make a conference title run because the ACC Coastal is one of those that's wide open. Um, you know, if you look at the TCU run, it was done – it wasn't only because of, but it helped because the conference was wide open. I mean, coming into the Big 12 last year, it was wide open. Now, granted, we weren't thinking TCU would win it, but um, there was no overarching you know, superpower in their division like you have in the SEC West or the Big Ten East. Uh, the ACC Coastal's open, so if they can clean it up at Miami, there's definitely talent on board there. I mean, Oklahoma was as bad as I've seen them dating back pre-Bob Stoops, okay? So that had to happen in that league. Oklahoma State collapsed about halfway into the season. Texas is still trying to figure things out. So you're right. Now now again, not not to not to demean TCU, but some of those powers had to come back for all of this to be a perfect storm. Yeah, exactly. It was that um even your defending conference champ Baylor 
Uh, they they took Correct. a huge step back on both sides of the ball. Um, even uh, the normal you know stingy defense under Dave Aranda that took a step back. So uh, that opened up. Um, yeah, your two superpowers, Oklahoma and Texas, were down. Um, yeah, so it's it's possible given the right scenario. Very rare over the course of college football history, as you said. Um, but there's some spots. There's some winnable divisions. I mean, both the Pac-12 divisions are always battles every year. Uh, the Big Ten West is usually open. Uh, ACC Coastal. The Atlantic's going to be tough next year uh, with Florida State. I, you know, I, for for sleeper picks, I don't even think Florida State counts anymore. I think people are catching on. But uh, when I run my numbers, you know, it looks like there were really four or five powerhouse programs this year and Florida State statistically was one of them it's crazy um, and I guess if you watch them you can kind of see why uh, a couple close losses there in October I swear if they played in November or December the Florida State could have beaten those three um, but um, yeah I, I, again for if you call them a sleeper I don't, I don't think they're a sleeper anymore but I would throw them into the category. Aliquippa Bob talking about a team to, to rise up, and you mentioned maybe Nebraska. He says, what about Wisconsin and, of course, Luke Fickle? Oh, you know what? I think Aliquippa Bob, that's, that's an even better answer. i got to give him credit. That's a great pick. I love what they did with their coaching staff, uh, not only bringing in Luke Fickle, again, a program builder. He took the first non-AQ team to the playoff with Cincinnati. Uh, so we, I love that head coach pick, but really his coordinator picks are what really caught my eye, especially on offense, Phil Longo. Uh, if you follow him, he, he had the last four seasons down at UNC uh, with Sam Howell this year with Drake May. Uh, just elite offenses every year there. Before that, he did some time at Ole Miss and helped turn around that offense. And uh, Sam Houston State, I believe, before that, putting up 50 points a game. So uh, I've had a chance to talk to him several times, Phil Longo. Great guy, great, head, uh, great offensive coordinator. So What's striking is that you're bringing that high-tempo spread offense to Wisconsin, who's kind of the antithesis of that. They're the old-fashioned I-formation ball control and power run program, and it's really worked that way. It's worked well there at Wisconsin. You know, the offensive line U, running back U, whatever you want to call it. So that clash of styles is intriguing, especially in the Big Ten West. So long story short, I don't know if it'll go full long-go right away, but – um, I think that that's a great hire there and the head coach, and I think they're going to make Wisconsin, you know, turn them back into the, the, the Big Ten West powerhouse that they used to be. Brett Ciancia with us, pick six previews. Talk college football. Now, yeah, it's, it's the non-playing portion. We are officially in the non-playing portion of the season, of the calendar, and – Lots of things can happen. Transfer portal, of course, officially that's shut down until we get to May, but people can still announce they're transferring, and people can still announce I'm picking a certain school here. I know we talked a lot about the Jaden Rashada thing. Really nothing new there. He is not going to go to Florida. But just how incredibly weird was that story, Brett? Yeah, for sure. It, it reminds me of um, even before the NIL, before the transfer portal, there used to be one or two weird signing day moments every year. And they, you know, they used to always come on that last 24-hour window there in February. And, you know, it made the made the game exciting, you know. And, and it almost feels like this is one of those throwback stories where, like, the mom changes the, NI, the, the NLI letter without the commits, uh, you know, uh, without his decision or, um, you know, fax machines breaking, stuff like that. There's always – there used to be some shenanigans, but uh, this definitely seems like it. But a lot more money on the line this time. I think the number was $13 million that was tossed around, and 
Uh, I don't really know the extent of what was true or what's not, but I mean, we know that he's not going to Florida now. And now, uh, yeah, it's that was one of the storylines of the, one of the first NIL signing days. So um, but I can't wait to get to the, the February signing day, really finalize these classes, see what we have, see if any of these new head coaches, because um, remember, when these head, head coaches are signed in December, they're given like 10 days or even sometimes less to uh, to go sign a whole class or maintain a class. So I like seeing in February which of these new head coaches really took those two months to lay some foundations and, and try and uh, you know finalize off their first class. So we'll see if there's any class ranking shifts there. But, again, the, the, the game's never over. You have transfer portal acting up again, and uh, spring ball you'll see a lot of shifts there. That's, you know, that'll be the next big wave of transfers after spring ball positions are settled. So there's still a lot of roster building to go until we get to the season. It's going to be interesting. Sam Hartman and uh, Tyler Buckner at Notre Dame this spring. Now, I'm pretty sure Sam Hartman's there to start, but but Buckner looked pretty good in that bowl game. I know he had three picks and a couple of pick sixes, so it's hard to say that. But I thought he really did. They, they competed. They won the ball game. That one's going to be interesting, and I, I don't. I know they think Buckner's not going to jump in the portal, but at the end of the spring, when it's obvious he's not the starter, that should be interesting. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I'll say this. I don't want to write off Tyler Buckner either. I think that it's going to be a great competition. Uh, he's very young in his career relatively compared to Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman, we know we have. He's four years in, four-year starter. Um, and I don't want to say this uh, negatively, but he has – you know, he looks like a system quarterback in a way just because Wake Forest's offense is so unique and he masters it so well. So I'm trying to use that complimentary. You know, he, he mastered the Wake Forest system. Uh, does it translate to a, a normal college offense? We'll see. It's, it's just so specific what they do. It's a lot of uh, slow mesh reads at Wake Forest. It is some RPO, which could transfer. But, um, and then with Tyler Buckner, I think you have that, still have that five-star upside. You know, dual-threat guy out of Southern California, uh, definitely the better runner of the two. Um, so I want to see more of him. It's such a small sample size to write him off yet. So I think that will be a good battle. Tell everybody how they can keep up with you during the non-playing portion of the season and how they can get your content when it's time. Yeah, thanks. For those unfamiliar, I write a college football preview book that comes out every July. Uh, the last 10 years and actually the five and three year, I have the triple crown this year of the most accurate uh, preview book. So excited to announce that. And um Yes, yeah, so that comes out every July at PickSixPreviews.com. Hard copy and digital copies available. Until then, just follow on Twitter at PickSixPreviews for college football content all day, every day as I'm going through my research. Good stuff, man. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Bill. Enjoy it. Brett Sian.